0: Welcome to this edition of the Perspective in Inflammation podcast, a series brought to you by the CSF, which shines a spotlight onto experts in the field of inflammation. My name is Professor Anka Katrina from the Karolinska Institute, and with me is my fellow CSF steering committee member, Professor Leonard Calabrese from the RJ Fassenmeyer Center for Clinical Immunology. We will uh, be discussing the use of the live zoster vaccine in inflammation shortly, but first I would like to understand a little bit more about uh, Professor Calabrese. So, one question I have is what attracted you to the field of rheumatology?
1: It's a good question. Uh, I I had not really uh, was headed toward rheumatology. I wanted to do clinical immunology and do immunodeficiency work. And uh, back at that time, uh, my mentor, Uh, was a rheumatologist, uh, and I worked in his lab, and uh, we started doing immunodeficiency work, but in adults there wasn't much business in the pre-HIV era, and I became progressively uh, sucked into the world of rheumatology and and HIV and biologics, and here we are.
0: Um, And uh, could you tell us a little bit more about your center based in Ohio?
1: Yes. Uh, I work at the Cleveland Clinic, Uh, we're a global enterprise uh, for healthcare. We have our main facilities in the Midwest and the United States, so we have major campuses in uh, Florida and uh, uh, Nevada, and we have international outposts in uh, Canada and England uh, in Abu Dhabi it's a large uh, research clinical education institute, and I've spent my entire career there, trained there, and I still work there.
0: A very international yes. place to, to be in.
1: Yes, it's a, we, fantastic. we have a lot of fun.
0: And um, your research spans numerous therapy areas within inflammation. Could you highlight your key interest for us?
1: Yeah, my immunology center does a number of things, Uh, we we, uh, certainly deal in all things immunologic, but we have a particular interest in the intersection of rheumatology and infectious diseases. Uh, We have the only combined uh, rheumatology infectious disease fellowship in the United States. Uh, People get uh, duly boarded in uh, each specialty. We're interested in infections as etiologies or comorbidities or complications of immunosuppressive therapy in our diseases. We also do adult immunodeficiency work. And then we have a a, a very significant vasculitis center at our place. And within my center, we focus on uh, neuroinflammation and neurovasculitis. So those are the things that usually keep us busy.
0: And um, going um, towards uh, more specific, um, the more specific aim of our discussion today, the herpes zoster uh, in inflammation, can you provide us an overview of the herpes zoster in inflammation? And is this an unmet need?
1: Yeah. Uh, Zoster uh, is a complication that uh, is kind of coming to the fore in the field of rheumatology for a variety of reasons. Uh, Everyone understands that uh, varicella causes chickenpox. it becomes a dormant infection residing within dorsal root ganglia. And then over time, uh, particularly related to immunosenescence, uh, we are increasingly uh, vulnerable to reactivation in what we know as shingles or zoster. Um, In rheumatology, our rates of zoster are palpably higher than the general population, age-matched population, largely due to concomitant uh, immunosuppressive therapy. Uh, So we are actually in the business of of making zoster. Uh, It has been widely appreciated in in heavily immunosuppressed populations like lupus patients and a lot of steroids uh, rates are extremely high. But in uh, RA, um, it's been kind of a smoldering issue till the introductions of uh, kinase inhibitors. And thus far, at least with the approved drug so far, it appears to be a class effect um, of uh, uh, increasing uh, vulnerability to zoster. We, care, we are concerned about zoster for several reasons. Uh, first of all, it's a very morbid disease, post neuralgia is a formidable complication. Um, secondly, uh, we've demonstrated previously that incident zoster is also a risk factor for stroke. Um, and so it's something that we, would like to avoid. And then the past decade has uh, led to the introduction of two um, uh, effective zoster vaccines. Uh, One, the live virus uh, vaccine, um, which is the predominant uh, vaccine used globally. Uh, And then more recently, the recombinant uh, adjuvanted vaccine uh, which is now the preferred vaccine in the United States, but there's a, uh, an availability limitation of it. It's become so popular. So both of these vaccines are effective. Um, the live vaccine uh, has about a 50% protection rate for about three years, about 66% protection rate from postherpetic neuralgia. The recombinant vaccine is about 97% effective. Uh, and irrespective of age. So this is the, these are the vaccines that are available. Ular has just come out with uh, new vaccine recommendations, and uh, strongly considering these vaccines in select populations, particularly over the age of 50, um, and we believe uh, that uh, patients on kinase inhibitors should be strongly considered for these as well.
0: So, it's uh, more strongly like a recommendation in those that are going, such, are going to, to be on such a treatment. What about other um, highly immunosuppressed um, rheumatoid arthritis patients? Would that be something to,
1: well, to we, consider I, or...? Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, in, in general, uh, individuals over the age of 50, um, uh, the, these are, are fairly strong recommendations internationally that they are eligible for this vaccine whichever vaccine you have available at this point in time. Uh, The the recombinant vaccine is really not an issue since it's killed, obviously, and uh, uh, the major concerns are on adverse event profile from it, but we're learning more about it. The live vaccine is a live vaccine, so um, uh, we know that we can uh, cautiously immunize people who are modestly immunosuppressed on standard doses of methotrexate and low doses of prednisone and other conventional synthetic DMARDs. Um, we've learned at this meeting um, uh, in the Verve trial uh, by Dr. Winthrop and Dr. Curtis, that uh, in almost over 600 patients uh, giving the live vaccine concomitantly, patients on TNF inhibitors, there was no safety signal um, in this uh, uh, randomized uh, placebo-controlled trial. So, I think for the for the global population of providers who are using live vaccine, this is a a major step forward. um, And uh, hopefully, uh, the the recombinant vaccine will learn more about its safety profile and it will become more widely available as we move ahead.
0: And um, moving ahead or looking forward, what are the key upcoming developments that our listeners should be aware of in this uh, this field of combining infection knowledge on uh, immunology and rheumatology?
1: Well, I I think it's a natural fit. for a variety of reasons. Uh, First of all, you know, there are a number of infections, particularly viral infections, uh, that can be the etiologies of rheumatic syndromes. We're seeing the kind of the death knell of hepatitis C because we're globally curing it, uh, but still a lot of abstracts at this meeting um, uh, that account for that. HIV is uh, a, a global pandemic still. We've not conquered it. We're controlling it. Um, and we've learned a lot of lessons uh, regarding immune diseases. More importantly, all chronic infections um, are formidable comorbidities. So we need to recraft our therapies for rheumatoid arthritis and other immunosuppressive illnesses around these complications. You can't treat a patient with chronic hepatitis B the same way you treat a patient without it. So this is a, a, an area of management um, uh, that's very important. And then finally, uh, uh, the uh, uh, intersection of infectious disease and rheumatology for complications is uh, a burgeoning area, Uh, particularly our targeted therapies and combined therapies, uh, a wide variety of serious and opportunistic infections. And while our ID colleagues are extraordinarily skilled at treating these infections, they're not very much help for us in terms of uh, how we recraft our immunosuppression. So having people who are trained in both areas uh, has really been um, eye-opening and uh, uh, very welcoming by the infectious disease community and very needed by the rheumatology community. And then lastly, uh, total prevention, where we uh, hashtag why I vaccinate, uh, I gave a, a vaccine presentation uh, On Sunday to a very packed uh, group here that uh, I'll I'll leave my last comment as we as rheumatologists, um, we need to take a more active role in global vaccination uh, from all of our patients who are eligible for flu vaccine to our immunosuppressed patients. We need to spread the word and be passionate about this that we have to prove people are vaccinated not only to protect themselves to protect other vulnerable people. So um, it's been very very gratifying at this meeting, a lot of uptake on that, and uh, I ho- hope to see us become more involved.
0: And a lot of things remains to be done, which is very good and interesting. Yes. Uh, yes, thank you true. for your time, Professor Calabrese. We hope that uh, our um, listeners have enjoyed our discussion today and gained some insight into herpes doster and inflammatory disease. Please don't forget to subscribe to the CSF on your favorite podcast app and visit the CSF site for free access educational material, including summary slides, author interviews and a monthly podcast hosted by the CSF chairman, Professor Jan McInnis.